At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As the new year unfolds, make it a year of comfort and indulgence with Minky Couture. Wrap yourself in the lap of luxury with our exquisite blankets. Picture the cozy moments, the warmth of our premium materials, and the stylish designs that define Minky Couture. Welcome the new year with the ultimate in comfort and sophistication. January is your month to embrace luxury. Visit MinkyCouture.com or your nearest store today. Elevate your comfort, elevate your style with Minky Couture. Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Casual Friday on the Just Baseball Show, but like all of a sudden, baseball decided to go balls to the wall and make Casual Friday. Hey, the Oakland A's are moving to Vegas. Hey, Fernando Tatis is coming back. Hey, Madison Bumgarner got DFA'd. Hey, Max Scherzer got suspended. And hey, Aram doesn't like onions. What the hell? Jack, Peter, Aram, you got the three of us today. Let's start with that. And in the words of the best analyst in sports, college basketball's finest, Bill Raftery, onions. What's the deal, man? That was actually pretty good. That sounded good. Um, I just don't like them. Just God forbid. I don't like them. Um, So for the backstory, for those who might not be like on social, we, Peter and I went to the Yankees game. We went very early and we were able to get one of the judge burgers. They make 99 of them, right? It's like Wagyu beef. They're 20 bucks. They're really good. It was delicious. I guess that was any other context on the burger. It was my mistake a little bit. I guess they upped it to 199. So basically the story is the Yankees created a judge burger, they call it. And it was supposed to be there's 99 of them. It's two Wagyu beef patties. It's $20 for a burger. And we really wanted to try it because it's a new thing added to the Yankees menu. And yes, it does sound like the most Yankee stadium thing ever. We Wagyu. love food gimmicks. Yes, but it's Wagyu at Yankee Stadium. It's called the Judge Burger. There's only 99. Like, it's the most cliche burger you could possibly imagine. And we went early, and it comes with secret sauce, two Wagyu patties, new school American cheese. Not any American cheese. They call it new school American cheese. Pickles and onions. You know what they mean by new school? It means strikeouts, walks, and home runs. Yeah, it's a three true outcome cheese. (laughs) And so... I saw on the big screen, like while Peter and, and Colby were waiting in line, like 
the the whole preparation they were showing it and i saw the onions i was like oh all right, I'm going over to Peter right now. And I said, all right, Peter, like no onions. I, I really don't, I don't fuck with those. Um, so then we did the video review. I took a bite. I had to mention, I didn't get mine with onions. They're gross. Um, and you'd think that I said some of the most cancelable, most cancelable offense of all time. Like yeah. 80% of the comments are just like, no onions grow up. You don't like onions grow up. Like <laughs> grow up was the most common, I think like term, which is crazy. Cause it's like, I don't like a specific veggie, so that makes me immature, I and guess. What I thought was crazier was I gave the burger a 9.4. I was all over it. Absolutely loved the burger. That Being was a homer. Four. I thought it was such a good burger, but people know I'm a Yankee fan. I even was reviewing it at the end, and you put in the glazing is crazy, which I thought was the funniest part of the video. I didn't even really notice that you didn't like onions because I know you, and like I don't care if you don't like onions. It's it's a random food. doesn't matter to me. Yeah. So I thought that was going to be part of the video. I thought people were going to be making fun of me and then laughing at what you said about the glazing, and then it was an all-out war in the comment section about do you like onions or not, and on, that just goes to show the social media that you literally never know what's going to happen. On Twitter – TikTok, Instagram, just getting ripped, being called a child, like <laughs> just absolute child for not liking onions because I was raised in a household that hates onions. Um, but the, the funniest part about it is that people actually care about someone else's food preferences. Yeah, that's really wild. I love it. Yeah. I also like I, I'm clearly branded as like the guy with weird eating habits. That's more than evident at this point on this podcast. And yeah. it just. Now I'm backing into situations now where I had no idea that it would come up again. And here we are. But it was pretty funny, honestly. So a couple things. Number one, people love getting in other people's business. So oh, yeah. I'm sure they love talking about your food preferences because it takes away from like their own shit. Um, and number two, I've been trying to cancel you for a while. So I'm kind of shocked that it was a food take at Yankee Stadium on a twenty on a $20 burger that like finally did you in. This was the, I think this was the biggest blowback I've received on social media since the Dinger incident. Um, and, and that's saying a lot. That's that saying a said lot. though. Or, or the Asturi Ruiz too early report, report about the call up. Either of those. That you uh, got both. from several accounts. Yeah. But these, this one was like, like meaner and more personal. Just like grow up. Do you not eat? Do you, uh, someone, uh, Jeff Ponce, one of my favorite guys, Baseball America, said, do you also cut the crust off of your bread? I'm like, Dude, that's not the same thing. That's not the same thing. But anyways, yeah. Um, that said, though, were they overreacting? Yes. Do I agree with a lot of them that it is childish? Absolutely. Onions oh, are amazing. Help. You literally said it. You literally were one of them, you asshole. You I did pile on. It is. I, I totally agree with that. It's okay for you not to like onions, but at the same time, it is okay for me to say it's a child take because onions are amazing. I think they're one of the best foods in the world. Fair. Fair. Um, how did you feel? Are about you an onions 20? guy? Yes, huge. Uh, yeah. You make you make any kitchen smell good by throwing onions and garlic in the same pan. Like it's game over there because you're an after, adult. But that's after you actually cry because you had to cut them. Yeah, well, your eyes. If you're an walk. adult, if you're an adult, you don't cry. Yeah, I also am four eyes. Like I need, I need glasses <laughs> to see, so that provides like a goggle type uh, thing for me. So I don't, I don't water much when I uh, cut onions. But we can talk about baseball if you guys want. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, How about in. the Las Vegas Oakland A's? <laughs> um, here's what the deal is: the team president of the Oakland A's announced that they purchased a 49 acre site just off the Las Vegas Strip. It's right near Allegiant Stadium, which is the home of the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, it's about a 1.5 billion dollar construction cost that they're looking at, getting it ready for opening day. 2027 going to be a 35,000 seat stadium, which I think is really interesting because the Oakland Coliseum, you may not know it, but it does have the largest capacity in major league baseball. It's around 56,000. This at 35,000 is going to be the second smallest capacity ballpark in major league baseball. Only progressive field in Cleveland is smaller. I think they're doing this the right way. We can talk about the move from Oakland to Vegas, but in terms of the ballpark, you're going to see a state-of-the-art Major League Baseball stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada. That is the gambling center of the world. We know gambling is making its way into baseball. Hell, this podcast is presented by BetMGM. So, like, 
I mean, I think this is the perfect thing for Vegas. Vegas needed a Major League Baseball team, and finally it's happening, which I can appreciate. Yeah, I can appreciate it, but at the same time, I thought the statement that was written was bogus. Can I read it for you all? Sure. It's very short, which I think is a part of it, too. After leaving a stadium that's been there for a while, this is all they said. So the A's have signed a binding agreement, blah, blah, blah. For more than 20 years, the A's have focused on securing a new home for the club and have invested unprecedented time and resources for the past six years to build a ballpark in Oakland. Even with the support from fans, leaders at the city, county, and state level, and throughout the broader community, the process to build a new ballpark in Oakland has made little forward progress for some time. We have made a strong and sincere effort to give there. There's others. I won't read the entire thing. But again, it's short. It's on our Instagram at just baseball show. Unprecedented. Do they know what that word means? No, they don't. Clearly. Um, what I will say is there were conversations that were made public about them exploring the San Jose area for a ballpark. Also, a waterfront property in Oakland that had renderings done last year. Saw those. They looked excellent. But like. If they were truly committed to building this ballpark in Oakland, Oakland would have helped make that happen. The state of California would have helped make that happen. And, and I don't think they had any interest in staying. That and that's where that's where I've just just watching this over the last couple of years, seeing what this team has done. Um, you've kind of see a team here that that's been building for a few years from now, right? Like you're gonna see them go to to Vegas. They're gonna have that core of prospects and young players that they have, and then they're gonna spend like the Marlins did in 2012. And, and then we'll see what happens from there. But it really seems like John Fisher, the the owner of the team, who has had no interest, I I don't think had any interest in, in keeping the team in Oakland. No. This was exactly how, and he's obviously a very smart guy, very wealthy guy. This is how he wanted it to play out. Let me put the worst product on the field in the worst stadium in Major League Baseball, and then say, look, baseball can't survive here. No one's showing up. I saw a few people reply and say, well, why, why would base, Why would they want to keep baseball in Oakland? No one showed up. If fans really wanted the team to stay there, they should show up. Who the fuck is watching that lineup play? A team that we took the under win total of, what, 54? Yeah. Who's watching that? Paying money out of their pocket, paying $10 for a beer to watch that team play. They put the worst product on the field possible so that no one shows up and they can put their hands up and say, look, it's not going to happen here. We got to move it to Vegas. And that's exactly what's happening. Well played, John Fisher. But I feel really bad for Oakland fans because there are a lot of Oakland fans. And if you want to look at the early 2000s, where they were competitive, where they had decent payroll, and then moving up from that, they were seventh in the American League in, in attendance, eighth in the American League in attendance, sixth, seventh, eighth. That's not the best, but that's still very viable and very solid. And that's the thing, man. Like that ballpark is never going to look full unless it's a postseason game because it's 56,000 people. It's tough to get to. It's not the best ballpark. Like, hell, it's the worst ballpark, if we're being honest, just yeah. by infrastructure. Um, but they showed up when the team was good. When Chapman and Olsen and Murphy and Loriano were there, like that ballpark did get alive at points. But last year, when you ditch all of them except Sean Murphy, they were the only team in baseball to average fewer than 10,000 fans on a per-game basis. They're not showing up because the baseball sucked. There was an article in the New York Times earlier today. We're, we're recording on Thursday. Um, there was an article that that pretty much teased that like there were some fan groups of the Oakland A's that were planning a reverse boycott where they pack the Coliseum to show that the fans weren't the problem. It's the fucking baseball, man. They made yeah. zero effort to stay in Oakland. They made zero effort to put out a product that will bring fans to the ballpark. They sabotaged themselves and they won, which is twisted and bad, but they won and we get baseball in Vegas. Aram, just to add a little more context to what you were saying, too, because it's completely true. So John Fisher purchased the team in 2005. Their payroll then was $59 million, which is not crazy, but it's still not the worst. At the time, it was middle of the pack. Exactly. This year, it's $33 million. Max Scherzer makes $10 million more than the A's payroll. That is embarrassing. Embarrassing I mean, to a level that we haven't seen, and now there's no more sports in Oakland. 
right? You can go up to San Francisco. You can see the Warriors. You can see the Giants. You can see these other teams. But there is no more professional sports in Oakland come 2027. It just sucks because I used to go to Oakland games with my dad at the Coliseum, and it was packed. It was great, right? It was around that time period where we saw A-Rod, right? Now, you'll never be able to go back to that stadium again, and it's a travesty for the great fans of Oakland, and there's jokes being thrown around. There's only seven fans. I hate that shit because, yeah. like, oh, you hate they're that choosing shit? to stay home. Yeah. No, I know we all do. It's like... No, I'm saying Mar- that's I've been hearing that butt of that joke for Marlins fans since the beginning of my time. I would say you beginning show of time up when they're good. There are tons of Oakland A's fans. They're just not going to the game because why would you spend money to go watch your team lose 12 to 2? Even they got to go see Mason Miller, who pitched pretty good. And then this bullpen, who's by far the worst in Major League Baseball, gives up eight runs after Miller is gone. Like it was close for a second. You got Mason Miller and then the game is completely over and it has been completely over every single game. They have by far the worst run differential in baseball. They are by far the worst product in Major League Baseball. Why would you spend any money to go see that? Do not blame Oakland fans. Don't say that there's no fans because that's just false. What would you do if that was your team consistently? Like, and I'm sure I'm there's going. a lot of fans who can somewhat relate, but it, imagine your park decrease it by 50% in terms of cleanliness and then decrease your team by 50% talent. Are you 100%. going? No shot. And 2014 was not that long ago. They had an $89 million roughly payroll around then. Um, and, and they lost in the wild card. They drew 2 million fans. They averaged 25,000 fans per game. In That's a great. shitty stadium. Imagine and remember, build a nicer stadium. You could probably up that to 26, 27, 28,000. You could have easily drawn, I would say, middle of the pack attendance in Oakland with a new stadium and semi semi competitive team. Like that's a team that lost in the wild card. <laughs> and it was it was a pretty good team, kind of expensive. That was it. And 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 that was in a shit stadium. Um, well, that and they traded for Lester. All. They traded for yeah. Lester at the deadline that year. Like they were willing to go for it. Yep. And and it's weird because you know the Mar- they they went and made that move with the Marlins in twenty was it twenty eighteen to get the rental or twenty uh, more recent than that I guess. So it, whenever they got Marte for a 19? rental, but they had the Marlins cover the whole salary and then they got bounced. I think it was in twenty nineteen or twenty. I, I don't even know. I can't even remember now. Oh, but a few years ago. 2021 <laughs> yeah. actually was. They might not even made the playoffs. But it, it's just interesting to me that, like, this team has been competitive through spurts plenty of times. I mean, they made the playoffs three straight years in a row, 2020, 2019, 2018, three years in a row, 2014, 2013, 2012, and then four years in a row in the Moneyball era. Um, And through those stretches, their attendance was pretty damn solid. Uh, And then when they were terrible, cheap, and had no good product on the field, no one showed up. It's kind of wild how that works. If they had a new stadium, I really think that that would have been more than enough with a half decent team to draw twenty to twenty five thousand a game, which yeah. is already proven to have worked in the past when their teams were good, when they semi invested. So it, it's a shame. It was a cop out, and ultimately, John Fisher is going to make a lot of money off this, and that's all he was looking at. The value of his franchise is a lot higher when he's in Vegas than when he's in Oakland, and I'm sure he's going to get a lot of taxpayer help with this stadium in Vegas as well. A hundred percent. It's going to be a brand new ballpark again, 35,000 seats. Uh, The estimated cost is anywhere from one to $1.5 billion. My question, and like, of course, nobody's thinking about this right now, but my question is like, what happens to the AAA affiliate in that ballpark? Las Vegas about that. Yeah, like Las Vegas ballpark is beautiful. It opened in 2019, capacity of 10,000, so you can't use it um, for for Major League Baseball. But that's one of the nicer non-Major League ballparks like on planet Earth. It might be the nicest non-Major League ballpark out there. So like it hosts the AAA championship every year. I'm curious what they do with that ballpark, and I'm curious what they do with their AAA affiliate. Can you have a Major League and a a minor league team in the same city? Like I don't think so. Um, I'm not sure. Like so weird. It's really I weird. Wish they, 
I wish they moved to the South personally. Like I don't mind Vegas. Of course, obviously, you know, you don't want to put in the same part as that ballpark, but we see college baseball and all the fans down there. Like that is a big baseball hub. And I would love to see a stadium in Nashville, Tennessee, or even Mississippi or Alabama or any of those states. We we have an article, uh, Elijah Evans put up on just baseball.com. Really good job. Just kind of highlighting some, some expansion team options, city options. Um, and Nashville's one of them. I, uh, North I would Carolina, love to see baseball there. North Carolina, Carolina's perfect. Very underrated baseball state. I, yeah. I think I think we're going to be looking at an expansion of two, and it's going to be a three-horse race between Salt Lake City, Utah, Nashville, Tennessee, and Charlotte, North Carolina. Like I think I wouldn't even mind. I wouldn't even mind Montreal or any place in Canada too. I wouldn't mind that either. Yeah, it, it would be tough. Like it would be I tough, hated the timeshare idea of St. Pete and Montreal. That's that the worst idea in the history of ideas besides the speed up rule thing that they were floating in the Atlantic League. Oh, you have God, a, the designated you have a pinch, pinch runner. runner whenever you want. That is the worst idea in the history of ideas. If you if there's a worse idea than any of you have ever heard of, please let me know. 100%. All right, let's move to Fernando Tatis Jr., who returned last night. We're recording before his return in Arizona to start a, a four-game set. Um, Fernando Tatis Jr. played eight games in AAA El Paso on a quote-unquote rehab assignment. In eight games, he slashed 515, 590, 12-12. That's an 1802 OPS. <laughs> Seven homers, 15 driven in, six walks, and three punch-outs in 39 plate appearances. Here's my take on Tatis. And, you know, on our preseason awards preview, I said that Tatis has like this tangible path to being the National League MVP because, you know, they may be middle of the pack for the first three weeks. And then Tatis comes back and he lights this fire. And, oh, wouldn't you know, San Diego's 9 and 11 through the first three weeks of the Major League Baseball season. So uh, he could galvanize this team. Um, There's a chance that, you know, he didn't approach it the right way with the team that would never make it out in public at least before his debut. Um, But there's a chance that they rally around him. The other thing that jumps to me about Tatis is this is the kind of guy, this is the kind of talent that may thrive as a villain. He's going to get booed in every single opposing ballpark when the San Diego Padres are visiting. I can't wait to see the lack of ovation and maybe negative ovation that he gets in Arizona tonight. And there's a chance he hits a ball 450 feet because of that. He may thrive on hate. I like that I, take. I, th- and- I think he's a rod. He, he really is a rod, man. And I, like I, I, I think Tatis is more likable personally. Like I think he made a mistake and then handled it poorly. He handled it like a 23 year old. He made two mistakes. Yeah. The motorcycle. Like, oh, oh, the mo- yeah. The motorcycle was dumb. But like that's his life. He's playing with at that at the end of the day. You but that's know? a mistake. Like, that's not. It's a mistake. It's a personal mistake for sure. Um, yeah, I, I feel like that's something that, like, he's a kid. He's immature. Like, we're, we're he's been thrown hundreds of millions of dollars, and I, I don't know how any of us would react in that situation, being thrusted into the spotlight. I would invest said, it appropriately. Yes, I, I would have. You would you would have put it all into mutual funds and and not gone on a motorcycle. I would have rode motor, motorcycles probably. Yeah. If I get a hundred. If I get four hundred million dollars at twenty two years old, like I'm probably. I'm invincible. I'm going nuts. Yeah. But the, the, seriously though, like I do think he's gonna thrive off of the the villain role. But I think it's going to be like this pseudo villain thing. Like people are still going to be begging for his autograph. People are still going to be excited to watch him play. This isn't like a. I hate you. You shouldn't be in the game. Trevor Bauer type of thing, you know, right. where it's like people legitimately have a disdain for him. I saw some woman cast a spell on Mike Clevenger the other day on social media, like like <laughs> fully cast a spell. Like, I don't think people are doing that with Fernando Tatis, right? It's like this fun game villain kind of thing where at the end of the day, like, yeah, he's a guy that made some mistakes, but like mistakes that really impact him and his baseball career and nothing beyond that so that that's the cool thing about it is i think it's going to be a fun villain role almost altuve-esque you know the way that he's kind of embraced that in a way too or correa i would say is maybe even better example like correa gets booed everywhere he goes but everyone respects carlos correa some people might not respect tatis from the like old head steroid perspective but you gotta respect what he's capable of on the baseball field and i think what he's going to show us is that he is capable of what very, very, very few are. He's going to remind us that. Um, And I'm excited to see what that looks like. 
what I'm really excited for too, and to that point, Arm, like there's a, I know there's a, a majority of baseball fans that think, well, Tatis was popped for steroids, so we got to take everything that he did in the past with a grain of salt, right? Like, we don't know if Tatis was on steroids in 2021 when he hit 42 home runs, stole 25 bags, put up a 975 OPS. So they're not going to give him the credit. And then there's the other majority of fans who are so excited to see him back, understand that he really is the A-Rod of our game today and are expecting him to potentially win an MVP, even though this will be his first game on April 20th. I am in the boat of... I don't think that these steroids impacted his play from 2019 to 2021. I think he's one of the most talented shortstops I've ever seen with my own two two eyes. And the only reason I don't think he's going to get the MVP is because I don't think people are going to vote for him. Not because he's not going to play like an MVP. I'm a forgiving guy. Like, I... I look past it. I just want to see what you are on the field. And he's one of my favorite players to watch. And he's a freak of all freaks. And I think he's going to show everybody, hey, I'm still one of the top 10 players in this game. And if we're talking on talent alone, I'm like top five. I mean, he is just one of the most special players that have come across our game. And he's younger than Jeremy Pena. He's 24. (laughs) He is younger than Jeremy Pena. That's the thing, man. Like. You mentioned like he's one of, you know, the baseball community's favorite people to watch play. Like if you don't derive an insane amount of enjoyment from watching Fernando Tatis Jr. play baseball and like showcase this otherworldly athleticism, you're wrong. Like you're just trying to be edgy if that's your take there. And I don't appreciate that. Like, I don't know. I, I had this edgy point at one point in my life like i guess when steph was winning his unanimous mvps i was like oh he plays the game like in a sloppy way that was just an edgy douchebag take for me um about steph curry and and i feel like that's kind of where we're at with fernando tatis jr okay point to the airs go ahead but who cares really because everything he does is so amazing that said though i am a steph curry hater and it makes no logical sense. I just hate him. I know. It, and that's like an edgy douchebag take. And like I, It is. I, and I stand by it. I just hate him. Yeah. I hate him. That's yeah. crazy. That's absolutely I crazy. I hate him. Last thing I'll say on Tatis is this is a humbled Tatis, I think, relatively speaking. And this is a Tatis that really has to focus in. And, you know, he coasted to the big leagues. Obviously, I'm sure he worked hard to get there. But like he coasted on natural talent to get there. And he was the man from the get-go. He was the the new face of baseball. And he, I his shit didn't stink. Like, let's just be honest. Like, that's the way he carried himself. And it rubbed his teammates the wrong way. And, and obviously kind of led to him making a lot of ill-advised decisions. I think this is a Tatis with a little bit more fragility, a little bit more realization that, like, yeah, I'm going to get more chances than the average guy, but I'm already exhausting some of them. Like, I've got to play like a professional in terms of just the way he carries himself. I'm not saying he can't do whatever he does on the field. That's fine. I'm saying when you show up to the park, the way you conduct yourself, all that stuff. If we see a more focused Fernando Tatis, a more team-oriented Fernando Tatis, we might not have even seen the best of him yet. And that's the craziest part. He's 24. I want to see the entrance, like Jack was saying, like in uh, Star Wars where Darth Vader just appears in the ship and it's like all smoky and then the red lightsaber appears and it's just Tatis with his dreads. Like, that's what I want to see. I'm so excited for that take, Jack, that you had that he could be he could thrive as the villain. Oh, that fires me up. This is entertainment at the end of the day. Stop taking everything so seriously. This is awesome. He's going to hit a bunch of home runs and steal a bunch of bases. Like, not everything is like we need social media needs to relax a little bit. This is baseball. You sit in front of your couch and you watch guys hit home runs. Like, you cannot like him, but people hate everyone nowadays. It's like everyone has so many haters. Just relax, people. Even if you don't like him, I get it, but don't freak out everywhere. It makes you look like a loser. And here's the thing in the early goings of the season, Ronald Acuna has been one of the more exciting guys in all of baseball. He's off to a great start. Heighten it a little bit for Tatis. Like that, that's his talent. Uh, that's his natural ability, man. I mean, Tatis and Acuna fall into the same exact bucket. Um, let's revisit this at the end of the year because, like, the one take I will attach to this, and I know that Petco is 
a, a pitcher friendly park, but I bet you his numbers are better across the board away from Petco than at Petco this year. I think he's going to lean into that role really effectively. You know, all those tools in high school baseball that have so much eye black all over their face. I want that on Tatis. I want that. And his pit vipers, how they're like kind of colorful. I want them all black. I want him to just be a freaking dude. You want want black compression sleeves, like black wrist tape. You want all of it. I want it to be horrible, but amazing. I want it to be the most sunglasses on for the post game interviews. Like hell yes. Yeah. I want him mouthing off. Baseball is better with when Fernando Tatis plays and baseball needs villains to Peter's point. This is, this is entertainment and he is peak entertainment. I can't stand Ronald Acuna. The way he carries himself, the way he goes about his business has nothing to do with him being brave. Several of my favorite players are braves. Can't stand Acuna. I could watch him play baseball all damn day long and that's that's what it's all about man i want lebron in the black mask on the heat that's what i want tatis (laughs) to become yes absolutely fair all right scherzer's not a villain like let's get this out of the way max scherzer was suspended for um suspended 10 games like that that's the immediate suspension handed to you when you fail a substance check coming off the mound um phil cuzzy has ejected all three guys in major league history since mid 2021 that have been um, tossed for using a foreign substance on their glove, Hector Santiago, Caleb Smith, and now the future first ballot hall of famer, Max Scherzer. It was a minute in check. And before we get any farther, I do have this. This is the second episode in a row that I'm just going to like play sound from my phone and the microphone. Um, This is SNY. Steve Gelbs clipped this and put it out this is scherzer explaining like the process that went into the ejection with phil cousy so after the second inning uh you know my hand it was a little clumpy uh from the rosin and sweat that was clumpy and phil was told me to wash off so i washed it off uh you know came back out there after the third you know with alcohol you know i washed it with alcohol um and rosin and when i went back out there um you know, the alcohol for a little bit there can be sticky if in rosin. It, that can happen. So he's like, that's too sticky. You need to go back on there, wash it off again and reapply uh, the rosin. And so I did that. And then at the same time, he thought my glove had too much rosin on it. And I was like, okay, if that's a problem, you know, there's there's nothing going on. It, you know, he's like, you need a new glove. Like, okay. So come back out, uh, pitch a third. Uh, and knew I was going to get checked in the fourth. So I, I'd have to be an absolute idiot to do, try to do anything when I'm coming back out to the fourth. So, and, and the, and the, you know, after that third inning, um, I'm in front of the MLB official that's, that's underneath here. I wash my hand with alcohol in front of the official. Um, I didn't apply a rosin and then I grab sweat. Um, when I didn't, I didn't go back out there and Phil Cousy says that my hand's too sticky. Uh, I, I don't get it. Yes. When you use sweat and rosin, your hand is sticky, but I don't get how I get ejected when I'm when I'm in front of MLB officials doing exactly exactly what you want and being deemed my hands too sticky when I'm using legal substance. I do not understand that. So after the second inning, interesting. The one thing that um, is again a part of that clip, he swore on his kid's life that he didn't cheat. That's so weird. It's really it's, weird. It's That's weird, bizarre. but at the same time, I believe him. I believe him. Yeah, like it's like, weird sure, to a like, point of like that story seems very believable. That almost makes me believe him less. For like, me, it makes him such a weird thing to do. Just tell the story and leave it at that. He swore well, his kid's life. No, but on the same time though, like coming, he's obviously emotional in that state, and at the same time, like it, it's a, you know, it's it's a bad thing on his legacy. Like people remember, hey, you got suspended for 10 games for using sticky stuff. Like down the line in 10 years, like nobody's going to remember that context. They're just going to be like, remember when Max Scherzer? Yeah, he got suspended 10 games for using sticky stuff. Like that is a bad thing on your resume. So yeah, was it a little over the top to swear in your kid's life? Absolutely. But at the same time, do I think he was lying? Do I think he was trying to cheat? Absolutely not. You can crucify me, but... I totally believe him. No, I'm I'm with you. I, I I don't have any doubt in my mind that he did not cheat. Like I I, I it's Max Scherzer. Why is a first ballot Hall of Famer cheating on April nineteenth when he got his bag game, already? Yeah, you know, like in in a game. Like Central. I know it's the Dodgers, but like who cares? Like it's in April. 
it's April. Why would he cheat? Uh, he's a guy that's trying to get back into the swing of things. What, what, what's interesting too to me is the one thing I'll say is when he when he washed his hands and whatever, like why did he have to keep getting the sweat and rods? And like at that point, can you just like go go bare bones and try and throw? I don't is think it they that can. much harder? Like is it yeah. that much harder to throw? I don't know. I, I'm not a major league pitcher, but <laughs> that's the thing, man. Like you have the MLB approved substance concoction of sweat and rosin. Like you're gonna use that. You know what I mean? So you're yeah. accustomed to doing that. You're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna raw dog it on the hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and so, he's facing the Dodgers. Like, yeah. and if he's used to that, you know, it's it's Max Scherzer. First of all, you should. I mean, Domingo Herman washed his hands and he was good to go. Like, I, I, yeah. I just I think it's really interesting how that works, but it, it's also interesting that it's phil cuzzy it's the third time and it, it's all three been him um and when we have a questionable you know ejection here you gotta look at the history and say okay well this one was very questionable and it's the same umpire who's done it all three times i'm gonna give the hall of famer the first ballot hall of famer the benefit of the doubt scherzer couldn't have been more clear with how he approached it and like you said he'd be an absolute idiot to go back out there knowing he was going to get checked with a sticky substance. If it was the playoffs, I'd say, yeah, you you roll the dice. Maybe maybe he was just trying to take a chance. Yeah. He would be dumb as hell to do that on April 19th and roll the dice knowing he's going to be checked. I don't think Max Scherzer is that dumb. He's also a PA. Like, he's the head of the PA, right? He's, like, that, that, yeah. he's not doing that, man. He's too big of a figure. He's too important. And he's too smart. And he and he's too outspoken too. You know what I mean? Like he's too um, eloquently opinionated to do something like that and, and contradict himself in the public eye like that. And you know, my immediate thing, and, and I want to like open the floor to you guys. I'll, I'll give you a moment to think about it. My immediate thing when I saw this is how do I view this? How do I view a foreign substance ejection in 2023? Because we saw this rule implemented mid 2021. And the way that I narrowed it down in my head was guys using foreign substances pre-June of 2021 were being innovative. Like they were trying to find a competitive advantage that was not illegal. Spider tack was not illegal before June of 2021. So you're telling me that Cole's spin rate went down, Giolito's spin rate went down? Like I don't view them as cheaters because they were doing something that was not illegal. After June of 2021, if you get knocked for a foreign substance, I view you as a cheater. I don't view it to the to the extent of performance enhancing drugs, but all of a sudden it went from being innovative to being illegal when it comes to performance. I think cheater is a strong word. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like getting branded as a cheater. And I think that's kind of why... I understood the emotion coming from Max Scherzer where he said, I swear on my kid's life because that brand, whether Max Scherzer likes it or not, is going to now be on him by a huge majority of baseball fans. And so that's why I believe, I think so, dude, like if you're suspended 10 games and maybe not right now, Aram, I agree with you, maybe not right now, but in 10 years without the context, I don't think anyone even remembers in 10 years. Maybe not. Maybe not. But I feel like that's what he might have been thinking in the moment because that's what might have explained his. I think what he was thinking numbers. about in the moment is I don't want to get tossed out of this game. I'm trying to win a baseball game. Honestly, I don't I don't think he's thinking about like his legacy or 10 years from now or what people think of me or whatever. Like, I really think it was just I'm trying to win a baseball game and they're going to eject me from this. game. But this was after the game, right? This is in the postgame presser. Well, now Maybe he had facing, some time he's to facing. He's facing a two-start suspension now. Like so, that that's that's where I think the frustration is coming. It, it's he's costing himself money. He's going to miss two starts. Um, like that, I think, and and then at that point, yeah, sure, it's it's could like, be a combination of it's it all. your reputation. For but sure. like, it's Max Scherzer. I, I I know that not one player in Major League Baseball looks at Max Scherzer differently. So no. you know, why should why should we? No, I don't, and I, I just think. If you are busted for a foreign substance, like I don't view you as a cheater, right? Even though like you cheated, are you a cheater, I guess? And maybe I'm wording it wrong, but the way I see it is there is there's Barry Bonds 
and then there's yeah. getting suspended 10 games for some pine tar in your neck or something. I like mean, that. sticking a needle in your ass is exponentially worse than whatever yeah. the hell. Well, like consistently consistently yeah. sticking a needle in your ass so that you can become stronger. Um, yeah, compromising your long-term health for a short-term, short-term advantage is is definitely cheating. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird because by definition, by the book, it's cheating. But like, I don't, I don't really hold it against anybody. Maybe as much as I should. Like, I, it's it's baseball, man. Like that to me, I'm cool with the crackdown on it. I'm fine with it. But to me, like, it's it's baseball has always kind of been a, a sneaky game in that regard. Oh yeah, and like. If I found out later that a guy was using sticky stuff and got away with it, am I going to say like, oh, that guy's a cheater. Screw him. I'm going to be like, oh, nice. Like that was clever when you pulled it off. Like I'm not going to think less of him. I, I I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. We maybe maybe I'm moving the goalposts, but like it's just kind of a weird baseball thing. I, don't know. I totally you could agree probably say the same thing about sign stealing, though, then like that's the thing. Right. But it, it's it's a little different when you're using technology and things like that. Like this is you just grabbing some shit, knowing you're going to get checked. And if you've got the balls to roll the dice there, like I almost tip my cap. It's like, it's like getting, it's like smuggling something through airport security. Like if, if you're willing to roll the dice and you do it, like tip of the cap. Man. I definitely don't, I definitely don't tip the cap. But what I can't agree with you, Arm, is that this is a deceitful game. This is a game of small edges, right? And we see it all the time. So I guess, you know, everyone has their own opinion. Is Are you a cheater because of this? Sure. If you believe it, I'm not going to argue against yeah, it. Yeah, I've, the got, same I've time, got no problem yeah. with what anyone thinks about yeah, it. Yeah, if you I, think he's a cheater, sure. But I I'm don't I'm just not personally. wasting my energy thinking less of a guy because he, like, used some, some like, caramelized I mean, whatever. And yeah. caramelized onions. to Yeah, he just put some caramelized onions yeah. on his arm. Yeah. I'm, if he arm ate them, I'd have a problem with it. But if he yeah. uses them to, to, to get a better grip on the ball, it's all good. I mean, I was, I think I was like 15 years old when somebody showed me for the first time. It's like, hey, if you use one of those pine tar sticks on the bill of your hat and rub it in, like you can go to the bill of your hat and and get some adhesive, right? Like kids learn that in high school. Like I learned that in 2014, 2015 in high school. So, I mean, I I can't fault the competitive advantage in that way, but yeah, it sucks. Um, Next thing, I've got one more thing after this. I'm going to run you through eight games rapid fire, and I'm just going to ask you guys to like pick a winner this weekend. But before that, Madison Bumgarner gets designated for assignment by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Bumgarner is owed just over $34 million by Arizona over the next year and you know three quarters, according to Passant. So I just want to run you through like the career numbers. He's finishing a five-year, $85 million deal. I think it's it's $23 million this year, 16 next year. But 11 years in San Francisco. This guy's been in the bigs for 15 years. 11 seasons in San Francisco, 1,850 innings, had a 3-1 ERA, 119-92 and 92 record. Four years in Arizona, 360 innings, a 5-2-3 ERA. He was 15-32. and 32. Madison Bumgarner owns a career war at 32.3, 32.9 of which came in San Francisco, negative 0.6 war in four seasons in Arizona. This guy with the ultimate fleece job of the Arizona Diamondbacks is finally not the Diamondbacks problem. And I think the Diamondbacks can rejoice. Yeah, it stinks uh, for all my uh, not gamblers out there. We miss our free fade. We lost Keichel, and we now we lost Bob Garner. We got one more to go, Patrick Corbin. <laughs> no, but it's it's tough, right? Because he has been dreadful, and he's also been screaming at hitters for the past four years. Um, and he hasn't been very likable. But at the same time, we can't forget how amazing he was with the San Francisco Giants, how amazing of a postseason player he was. Mariano Rivera, I think, is the greatest postseason pitcher of all time. And I think number two is Madison Bumgarner. Now, I don't think that puts him into the Hall of Fame because he put up negative 0.6 war in four seasons following that. Like, you have to at least be replacement level, I think, to get in the Hall of Fame. But I'll end it with this. I'm glad the Diamondbacks did it. I even texted in the group chat. I think it was before his start against the Cardinals. I said, guys, he's about to get probably get pummeled by the Cardinals. When do they just say, all right, it's Brandon fought time. 
we actually have a shot at making the playoffs if we don't lose every fifth day and give up 14 runs like he did. Not 14, but they gave up 14 runs against the Cardinals. That's the thing. It's not even fought time. It's Tommy Henry, which sucks, but that's a conversation for another time. Yeah. Here's one thing I want to I want to make sure that we're we're fair across the board here. We're going to give uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. <clears throat> shit for riding motorcycles. How about Mad Bum for ripping a dirt bike and destroying his shoulder? And I don't know if that's why he, you know, was was brutal afterwards, but it lines up timeline wise. Dirt bike accident was in 2017. He was not very good after that. And and it wasn't like he was, you know, hitting 33, 34. He was 27, 28 when that happened. Mad Bum's performance in the postseason is one of the more iconic postseason performances in multiple occasions that we've ever seen in this game. And that that nobody can take that away from him no matter what, no matter how much of an asshole and, and old head grumpy dude he wants to be over the last five years. It just is ironic that maybe his last start on the mound, he'll, he'll get a big league start somewhere. He'll get a look somewhere else. But his last start on the mound for the Diamondbacks, he was fully just being a total, you know what, about nothing. Like, it's just be like, that's what his brand has become. It's one thing to fall off. Like, guys fall off all the time. That's okay. But to fall off and be a miserable asshole, that's what really, like, clouds what we look at Mad Bum as. I used to, like, love Mad Bum. I was like, this guy is incredible. That postseason performance was the gutsiest thing I've ever seen. He's fun to watch pitch. He raked at the plate. He was fun as hell. But now this guy's just complaining all the time. He's beefing with people from like Max Muncy all the way to Wilson Contreras. Wilson Contreras took a big hack and just was like, oh, and you're pissed like that, that, that pisses, that triggers you. That gets you mad. What was the thing he got mad about last year? It was like literally the most nothing thing of all time. I can't remember. It was like, well, my favorite that's was the, the point, right? That's the point, right? You can't remember. Like it's that insignificant of things that he just gets so pissed on and starts yelling. But at the same time, guys. It's very entertaining. I love it. it but I obviously like on the outside looking in, like, yes, it's not good, but I'm going to miss Mad Bum starts. I love runs. I love when he yells. That's another oh, part Victor of it, Robles. too. It was he called Robles a clown for admiring a home run. Uh, um, if Victor Robles homers off you, you are so cooked. Like, yeah, yeah. you are cooked. Yes. You cooked. The best <laughs> video that we got from 2022 was the hand check of Bumgarner when the umpire yeah. was just looking at him in the eyes. Yes. <laughs> so good. So I was gonna like, punch him in the face. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just, it's, he's got to be the least likable guy out there. He's up there. He's up there. Donaldson. No, he's uh, so much worse than Donaldson. No, he's I know. so much worse. It's yeah. just my own bias of not liking him. But like, and you know, and, and the thing is, is for, from the perspective of like the D-backs, I, I just appreciate seeing a team willing to cut bait, take the L to make their team better in the short term, waiting on the Marlins to do that with Avi Garcia, waiting on the Braves to do that with, with Marcelo Zuna, waiting mm-hmm. on a few other teams to do that in, in similar situations. But it, does send a good message i think to fans that it's like we want to be competitive right now and we're willing to eat eat this cost because we feel like tommy henry or whoever else this roster spot could be used better and it's very clear that any replacement level pitcher would be better than madison bumgarner it's addition by subtraction it really is and then you take it a step further i don't know how he is in the clubhouse i don't know what kind of guy he is um but if he looks anything like he does when he's out there on the mound Probably not the best clubhouse guy either. So uh, I think this is going to be good for the D-backs in the long run. I'm sure Mad Bum will get some spot starts somewhere else that you can fade, Peter. Uh, but I yeah, I don't know how much how much time Mad Bum has left. Pretty crazy to see him fall off like this at age 33. I do wonder how much that dirt bike incident had something to do with it. And again, if we're going to give Tati shit, like we got to give Mad Bum shit for ripping the dirt bike like that too. For sure. I, I bet that it had a lot of stuff to do with, you know, his performance. Like you fuck your shoulder, your throwing shoulder. I mean, we talk about shoulder issues all the time. Those are always baseball injuries. His was a non-baseball injury that carried onto the field and has tarnished his career when he was in his late 20s and signed an $85 million deal. Last thing on the Diamondbacks, tremendous feel from the front office there because that team, most fun young team in baseball, right? 
Peter, you called them this year's Orioles. Certainly one of the more fun young teams in baseball. They had one stain on their roster and they used the tide stick to get that stain off. Like, I love that they cleaned out the one blemish of the 26 guys that are in that clubhouse. That was not fun to watch. Yeah. And can you imagine that young, fun clubhouse interacting with Madison Bumgarner back there? Like, I'm sure that didn't help either. I And this is just conjecture. I could be totally wrong, and I would love to be wrong. But do you think Corbin Carroll, Jake McCarthy, Josh Rojas, Gabby Moreno, they're chopping it up with Mad Bum? No, no. Mad Bum probably gets his stuff, puts on his jeans and his belt buckle, and goes home after games. Like, I doubt he's even interacting with them. So, you know, they've been... Mad Bum has been bad now for a while, but it has to be a little bit of that too, right? Like it can't just be, oh, he wasn't very good on the mound. Now we're cutting him. There has to be more, I feel like. It has to be the on-field stuff, and I just can't imagine the relationships in the locker room are very good with him. Um, all right, October October 29th, 2014. Um, this is from Yahoo. I think this was a passing article. There's no authorship on this article, but I think it was a passing article when he was at Yahoo. Giants pitcher Madison Bumgarner is from a place nicknamed Bumtown almost a century ago. Uh, if you don't know the Bumtown backstory, he's from like middle of nowhere, North Carolina. Like pretty much everybody's last name is Bumgarner. Madison Bumgarner dated somebody named Madison Bumgarner growing up. And the rumors circulated that he got married in jeans, which is a crazy thing to do. And I lost a lot of respect when I heard that. That's where we drew the line. He, you can't get married in jeans. You can't get married in jeans. At the same time, though, that is the most baseball thing ever. Just putting on the jeans and getting married. I got to do like, I mean, it's hilarious. Like you remind me of it this morning, and it's a hilarious thing. I hold everything else against him. I think that's rather funny. I just think it's hilarious. I don't know. I think that's Bush League. Um, all right. I've got eight games this weekend that I want to run through with you guys. These starting pitching matchups are freaking insane, and I just want a winner. Cool? Cool. All right. Let's start Friday night in Atlanta, 7-20 first pitch. Hunter Brown gets the ball for the Astros against Bryce Elder, who has been awesome. This whole weekend is excellent. Give me a winner in game one. Hunter Brown against Bryce Elder. So tough. I think the Braves are the best team. I think the Braves are the best team in baseball. Um, The Astros just had a pretty solid series against the Blue Jays. Um, that's not a game where I would put my money on. Uh, but I, Astros are at home. No, it's in Atlanta. Give me the Braves. I would literally just take the home team because I think it's such a good matchup. I'm going Astros. Hunter Browns looks ridiculous. Um, Elder comes back to earth against a really good lineup. Back to back seven innings, no run starts for Hunter Brown. And he may do it for a third time. We'll see. Uh, Saturday at 105. Uh, Peter, I would recommend getting tickets to this. Alec Manoa against Garrett Cole in Jays Yankees. How are we feeling? Why do you say that? I will be at the stadium. No shot I'm missing that game. I get to see the downfall of Alec Manoa. Just kidding, Blue Jays fans. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Uh, I think the Yankees win that one. I think they pull them apart. Mm-hmm. I think the Yankees take care of business there. Manoa is working through something. I think he's going to be all right. But at Yankee Stadium against the Yankees is not usually the turning point of working through something. On the other side, Garrett Cole looks like Jack's MVP pick. Yeah, you think Cole solidifies like best pitcher in baseball at the moment with this start? I think he could. I think it's right now. It's between Castillo. Just right now, it's Castillo not you know so taking in Castillo. I mean, he has a zero seven three. Otani, Strider, Cole, McClanahan. Those are the five best pitchers right now. Real quick, I do want to go to that. You say right now because like. We're so quick to just throw DeGrom in the conversation. It's like, well, of course, DeGrom's, you know, top two or three right now when it comes to, you know, pitchers at the moment. I'm done with the DeGrom shit. Four no-hit innings, and then he leaves with wrist soreness? Yeah. Fuck that. Be available. Yeah. No, I know. And it's, you know, even Arm and I and Colby were talking about it on the subway um, when we were coming back, and we were talking about – you know, this induced vertical break on Mason Miller's fastball. And we were just, of course, talking prospects. And then Aram reminds us, or I think it might have been Colby. It was one of you guys were like, yeah, but Jacob DeGrom is more vertical induced break than all of them. And he throws 99. He is, 
he's pitch for pitch. He's the best pitcher alive. Yeah, it's but he just, doesn't throw any pitch. He doesn't throw anymore. And I wish we could say, yeah, just throw 95. You know, I was listening to John Smoltz talk about it, that, you know, get another gear late in games when you need it, but save it right in order to throw six, seven innings every outing. But I just don't even know if that's possible. Like it's so much easier said than done for a guy like John Smoltz to just say that. I think the and then to actually speed. do it is complete two completely different things. I think he's got one speed, and it's the speed that rips his body apart. Agree. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know how you just throw eighty percent and yeah, be. I, yeah, that's. I don't think that's that sounds right. like that could hurt you, right? Like that could if you're changing the way you throw completely, like that could end up being worse for you. So it just might be a guy that we get to see every once in a while, and we're like, wow, and then it goes away. Yeah, I don't feel good about that. All right, no, it uh, sucks. Kershaw and Hayden Wisniewski at Wrigley at 220 on Saturday. Wisniewski had a bounce back start after looking terrible. His first couple of starts, Clayton Kershaw, the latest member of the 200 win club, uh, Saturday afternoon at Wrigley Field, easy sellout with Kershaw and the Dodgers in town. How are we feeling? That should be a what? minus 250 line for the Dodgers, I feel like. Wisniewski, still like the, the, the shape doesn't look right. I went back and watched that start. He pitched well enough to get Oakland out. I'm still exactly. worried about my Wesneski hype preseason. Uh, this will be a good test. This will be a good test, given the Dodgers. Yeah, Dodgers. Uh, at the Trop, 4.05 on Saturday afternoon, Dylan Cease against Shane McClanahan. Holy strikeout. Dylan Cease on the road? Yeah, the White yeah. Sox ain't showing up for him. Give me the Rays. <laughs> yeah, I like the Rays in that one. McClanahan <laughs> takes care of business. How about Sandy Alcantara and Shane Bieber in Cleveland on Saturday night? 6-10 first pitch. Such a good game. This is I like I like the Marlins in that one because Sandy pitches to contact. This is a team that makes a lot of contact. He's just going to get them to make weak contact. Um, we'll see how Bieber – I could see Bieber carving up the Marlins. I think it's going to be like a 1-0, a 2-1 kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I think the Marlins – I think the Marlins sneak that one out. Sandy you know what? Pitches well when he's pissed. Give me the Marlins. Hell it ain't yeah. gonna hit, but give me the Marlins. Go Hell fish. Yeah. I'm in. Go. F- that was a good card game growing up. Go fish. Go All fish. right. Framber Valdez and Kyle Wright on Saturday at 7:20. Kyle Wright working his way back from injury, struggled in his first start. Framber Valdez looks excellent. Ah, oh, another great game. Um, Kyle Wright looks bad in his triple A start too. I went back and watched that. Um, yeah, no, uh, I, I think, I think the Astros, this is how they get going. They knock around the Braves, uh, taking Strohs again. Yeah. I think the Braves, I do think the Braves win that elder start. Um, but the Braves are a pretty aggressive team and I think they're just going to drive a bunch of Framber Valdez sinkers into the ground for double plays. They'll get some runners on, but It'll be hard for them to manufacture runs. And I think Kyle Wright does enough. I actually like a high-scoring game in that game. Uh, so I'm going to go Astros win that one, and but the Braves win Saturday. Okay. Um, so rubber match set up for Peter. Uh, and then, what, going for the sweep for Houston on Sunday afternoon for Aram. Christian Javier gets the ball for the Astros against Max Freed in Atlanta on Sunday at 1.30. What a game. That's- that's a, that's the Brave salvage game there. They they take that one. Yeah, give me the Braves in that one. But what a game! Yeah, oh, it's gonna be a fun one. That's my. That's second. like World Series Game Seven type game, and it's April twenty third. That's what the date is on that one. I think so. That's gonna yeah. be a sick. Crowd. Oh, yeah, that's gonna must be a watch sick, TV. Sick crowd. That's gonna be fun. I hope that game's on ESPN. It won't. Absolutely, be. it's not. It's it's Sunday afternoon. Um, last one for you. Sunday afternoon. Dustin May for the Dodgers. Marcus Stroman, who's been on a heater of all heaters to open the year, at Wrigley two twenty on Sunday afternoon. Give me the Cubs to win that one. Stroman has been unbelievable, yeah. and May's command has not been what you know it was, at least in the early parts of the year. I know it's still the early parts, but in his last start, he didn't look great, and that was against that Cubs team. And Stroman is just, you know, you got to ride the hot hand until it's not hot anymore, and it's hot right now, so give me the Cubs in that one. I don't, I don't want to pick Stroman. <laughs> um, I think he's going to feed off the energy, though. That's going to be a packed house. And Stroman always rises to the occasion there. Uh, I'll I'll go Cubs in that one. This was fun. I might start doing this every Friday with you guys. 
Yeah, this is a good one because there's there's starting to get some really great pitching matchups. Guys are coming back healthy. It's just good to be a baseball fan right now. Yeah, I'll just pick games of the weekend and, and throw them at you and good rapid fire way to end the week and tell us about the merch, Peter. Definitely get yourself some Just Baseball merch. I'm rocking the hat, and you can find them in our episode description. I'll be getting some DMs. How do we get those fire hats? It's in our merch store, which is in the episode description. That is the best way to support this podcast. Another great way to support this podcast is to rate five stars, whether it be on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. We would greatly appreciate it. And also hit that like button as well. Again, we are sponsored by BetMGM. All you not gamblers out there, if you want some free coin on BetMGM, for all new users, download the BetMGM app. Use code JBFANS. That's J-B-F-A-N-S. Wager $10 on any money line bet. Not over-unders, not anything else. On a money line bet, just a $10 bill, and you will get $100 in bonus bets to play along with. It's going to be a great weekend, boys. Casual Friday, again, another success. Fun to break it all down for you. And with that, thank you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>